What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Ben here to introduce this rabbit hole recap rip. Matt and I got an early one in today so that he could make the trip to New York City to meet up with fellow New York City Bitcoiners. Me as a New Yorker, I'm stuck in South Jersey, not able to attend, but wishing I could. Sending all my love to New York City Bitcoiners. Miss you guys. I miss you. This rip was brought to you by good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. I went. I got takeout last night. We didn't make food last night. It was a little late. We had late, late bath time, late story time. By the time we put we put our our son to sleep, just didn't feel like cooking. Got takeout. I went to go pick up the takeout. I used my Cash App cash card, personalized my signature. And I initiated a boost, 10% back Bitcoin at any restaurant. And so I went to the restaurant. I purchased the takeout with my cash card, except anywhere visas accepted. And I got sats back for it. 10% sats back. I forget exactly how much the meal was, but I stacked some sats as I ordered takeout or paid for takeout specifically, not while I ordered it. I had to initiate the payment first. The Cash App let, lets you do that. It lets you get sats back every once in a while when they have the vo- boost available. And then you can stack sats, send sats, receive sats, sell sats if you so please. We're saying sats, 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 sats because sats are the standard. People don't understand, but one Bitcoin, I mean, some people understand. Obviously, you freaks understand if you've been around these parts long enough. One Bitcoin can be broken down into 100 million units known as Satoshis or sats, as we like to call them. Um, you don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. One dollar worth, one cuck buck worth of sats is currently, uh, let me pull up the dashboard. We did it during the episode, but I believe the price has changed since then, since the episode and the ad read. One cuck buck's going to get you 1,744 sats. So do it on the Cash App. If you haven't downloaded the Cash App yet, make sure you use the code stacking sats. It's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. Owls Lacrosse. This rip was also brought to you by our very, very, very good friends, Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is doing incredible things. Uh, they just got a seed round funded by Nidig and a bunch of others. They're they're going out there and they're producing products, financial products for Bitcoiners with a security first mindset, leveraging the native properties of Bitcoin, particularly multi-sig allowing you to do a collaborative custody model with Unchained so that you uh, have your your UTXOs in a multi-sig wallet. You hold two keys. They hold one key. You can always move your UTXOs into two or three signature setup by yourself. But if you ever need Unchained, they're there to help you out. And they want to onboard you to their Volt product. And they're doing this with a white glove concierge service. They're going to take you from zero to having a multi-sig Volt set up with $1,000 worth of sats in it. And so this is a, a package that if you tell them the TFTC sent you for the white glove concierge service, we're going to hold your hand through this process, wipe your ass through this process, make sure that you're comfortable. You're going to get $50 off. Tell them TFTC sent you. You're going to get multiple video conference calls with the team. They're going to get you comfortable with multi-sig uh, in general with their Vault products specifically. They're going to send you the necessary hardware wallets that you need uh, for this process. They're going to get you comfortable with uh, producing private public key pairs, uh, getting your derivation path for your multi-sig wallet down, securing that, securing your seed phrase, and being comfortable moving sats in and out of, of your vault, 
you're on chain multi-sig bolt and then once you're finally comfortable you have it set up they're going to dump a thousand dollars worth of sats in the bolt so you go from zero to a thousand dollars worth of sats in a multi-sig bolt via this white glove concierge service tell them that tftc sent you go to www.unchained-capital.com check out everything they're doing uh they have incredible content on their blog parker lewis's uh gradually then suddenly series is one of the best in the space it's a great orange pill um check out everything they're doing www.unchained-capital.com we're going to link specifically to the white glove concierge service in the show notes very thankful to unchained for sponsoring this podcast and for building dope products last but not least this episode is brought to you by good friends at hodl hodl as well hodl hodl leveraging bitcoin's native multi-sig uh properties as well and they're going to allow you to to use your bitcoin as collateral to get some liquidity if you need it with stable coins in a non-custodial no kyc aml hodl hodl set up a, a lend platform so you go to lend.hodlhodl.com that's l-e-n-d dot h-o-d-l h-o-d-l dot com you're uh and you're going to be able to uh, basically meet at a marketplace where you're going to have a counterpart who's willing to lend stable coins to you. You lock up your Bitcoin collateral on a multi-sig vault. You always hold one key, so you have control. No KYC, no AML. You can do this anonymously on your own terms. You don't have to sell your Bitcoin. You get liquidity. And again, you have control. If you're someone with stable coins laying around and you're looking to earn great returns, lend hodl hodl offers you the ability to do that by being on the other side of that collateralized Bitcoin loan market that we were just describing. So create your offers and set your own terms again at lend.hodlhodl.com. Shout out to you freaks. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy this rip. Like, subscribe, share, review, engage. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, no, 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 don't record. <laughs> Fuck that, no, 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 don't dox me. So I'm going to no, leave. No, no, we're not live, we're not live, we're not okay, live. Okay, okay. okay, so just let me know when you're coming to Chicago, okay? Will do, and come to Miami. Uh, I'll try. <laughs> okay, talk soon, guys. Love bye. you, bro. I know, I know. Talk soon, bye. Peace. Oh, uh, what do we can hear me? God damn. God damn. Had to unplug. Can you hear me there now? Now I can hear you. Could you hear me when I did the intro? No, that's why Rockstar freaked out. Oh, God damn it. So, yeah, we had a cold intro with couldn't. Rockstar talking. <laughs> freaking out that we were doxing him don't worry rockstar we weren't doxing you uh i will be in chicago soon enough for the party could you hear me when uh 
Uh, I can't even disclose that. Freaks, welcome back to RHR. <laughs> we heard you in and out, Marty. We heard you in and out. It was the typical issue we had the other day. God damn audio issue. You know what, Matt? I think it's just time. I need help. <laughs> the Boomer Uncle Marty needs help. Somebody come help me. I'll pay you. It's time. Yeah, you should just pay. hire like a professional and just come over and just outfit you. Yeah, if you're in the South Jersey area and you're able to outfit me. I will dox my location to you if you're a trustworthy individual to, to come help me. It's it's time. It's time. It's time. Matthew, I didn't how are expect you? you to just shotgun record there, so I'm recording locally starting now, but hopefully we don't need it. I don't think we're going to need it. Also, Boomer Marty, I can't see his face, but he can see my face right now. And your face is looking beautiful. Thank so, you, bro. What a week. What a time to be alive. I'm feeling invigorated. I uh, recorded with Kelly Lannon. I was telling you. I'm just feeling very optimistic. It, 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 the opportunity to fix the world is so large. We fucked up so many things. And the, the, the uh, subject of the conversation with Kelly revolved around real estate and city planning and how that the incentives and in that area of, of life have been completely borked, cookie cutters, suburban subdivisions, uh, city planning, like code that you have to deal with, the fact that there's a, a title called expediter like in new york city where people literally just get paid to push shit through to, to make sure that it's in, in code like that people are wasting time doing all that it's mind-blowing yeah i mean it's uh i'm looking forward to listening to the episode it's uh i don't think people realize like how much bureaucracy is involved uh with using real estate as a store of value and a lot of that gets obviated with bitcoin i mean obviously there'll be like additional regulations that that governments will try to force onto Bitcoin holders in the future. It's something that we expect. Um, but just for the, the sheer fact that real estate has to be located in a specific jurisdiction, you know, on property makes it so it's easier to regulate, easier to, to control. And uh, a lot of the checks and balances that help with poor governance in those situations take years to to work out right so this is something we've talked about with new york specifically but uh also like in hong kong right where you have like one of the most valuable real estate markets in the world and then bad governance completely destroys that market um now the financial incentives should incentivize them to try and revitalize the market right but it's going to take a lot of a lot of time like it's going to take decades to turn around it's not something that uh just happens instantly but anyway, I mean, this week has just been bullish as fuck. I've just been having such a good time. And I, thanks for joining for Dispatch. That was fucking cool when you joined in in the live chat. That was a great episode. And it was, I love that we were doing business on air. Typical TFTC fashion. Um, Sue Heb and, and, our, and our friend Rockstar, he's getting on two episodes this week. <laughs> uh, crushing it. And I love Rockstar just blase. Like, yeah, I got to go somewhere. I'll be back and never coming back. I... Uh... Yeah, Rockstar's a fucking boss. I ended uh I ended dispatch with uh Biggie and it was it was uh the anniversary of his assassination and none of the freaks noted it and I was a little disappointed. Shame on you freaks. I actually just watched the Biggie documentary on Netflix this week. Fucking legend, man. Right. Only twenty-four. That's crazy to think. I mean him and Tupac were so ahead of their time too and like so wise for 24 year olds like i think about how dumb i was when i was 24 it's like holy he would have been he would have been 38 I, I like i he must he would have definitely been a bitcoiner 
You think so? Yeah. He, would, he wouldn't have been done doing any of this shitcoin bullshit. You want to be NFTing right now? <laughs> you want to talk about that? Is it a big money laundering scheme? This is like the tip I'm no, on. No, I mean, I, some of it is, you know, but I, I think it's just like art. Like Bitcoiners shouldn't have to have an opinion on. I mean, I guess you can have an opinion of art as a store value premium or something, but like limited edition sneakers and stuff like that. Like, it's just not our industry. I think it's a symptom of broken money. It's just like people want to speculate with this worthless crap money. But uh, specifically, what I was going to bring up was this this Beeple, um, this Beeple piece of art, NFT, that was sold today in Christie's auction for $69 million. Um, I, I mean, a couple takeaways. I, I think, first of all, like props to him. He literally made a piece of art every day for 13 days, uh, for 13 years, and then put it all into a single piece. So, like, I think that, like, I, I'm, I'm cool with that, you know, as a... Like that should be rewarded. I, I think 69 million, you know, who am I to say what the valuation is? It, it does seem ridiculously high, especially if you price it in Bitcoin. Um, but props to him on that. But just to mention here, like you don't really need it. You don't really need a blockchain for that. It's a signed piece of art that was sold in a traditional art auction, Christie's for US dollars. Like presumably like the buyer is going to send him a bank wire. So I think it's more like traditional art than it is like Bitcoin. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know what? This may seem mean, but like people's art is not that aesthetically pleasing to me. It's pretty shit if you ask me. Like, can we get back to more beautiful like Michelangelo-esque sculpting or like pick paintings and then like good sculptures and stuff like that? Like why? I don't get this like Adobe Photoshop Illustrator art. So how long have you been doing the bent for? four year anniversary will be on june 8th right so let's say you you do the bent which is super impressive every day you're doing the bent i i love the hustle i'm I'm super impressed by it i think a lot of people are uh let's say you do that for another nine years and then you sign you create a single signed version of the last 13 years of daily bends um like i i I, I don't think it'd be crazy for some like for some freak somewhere in nine years to pay something for that. I mean, I don't, I, that'd be a lot of Bitcoin, $69 million worth or whatever, but like half a Bitcoin, but I still, right. Like it's still, there's something there. Or like when Bitcoin sign guy, remember Bitcoin sign guy created his 20, 21, uh, 21 Repl- replicas of copies. his, uh... yeah, replicas of, of his original Bitcoin sign thing. And he signed them mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, this doesn't, got, doesn't need a blockchain amount after that what it like doesn't need a blockchain right right and who bitcoin sign guy could easily inflate those replicas like they're literally he could just literally draw more right but he did sign them but yeah at the end of the day with all these things you're trusting the creator to not right there's a centralized creator that you're trusting not to devalue their product like baseball cards right yeah Baseball cards right now are pumping. They're not even not even baseball cards that are that have NFTs or, or any kind of you know crypto signatures attached to them. They're they're just pumping because the money is super easy right now. The interest rates are super low, and people are just speculating on everything under the sun. So baseball cards are are at all time highs, trading at all time highs. 
And those that that's manufactured scarcity, right? Like you have to trust tops or whatever to not make more versions. Yeah. I saw Tom Brady rookie card go for some insane price last week, I believe. Yeah. It's all weird. And like in, in regards to the band, like would I ever do that? Like, I don't, number one, I don't know how I would like do that and like prove authenticity of, but you just sign with a PGP key. Yeah. But like, what is it? Like I have to go and like copy and paste all my emails over the years. You would, I, I would, I mean, the, the, the basic way I would think about it is you put all the bents into a folder and then you create a hash of the folder and then you sign that with your known PGP key. And that's like your digital autograph, right? And then you could also provide a physical piece of paper or like you could provide it all in a book as well. And then just manually sign, you know, autograph that as your hand with your handwriting, right? Just like we do with all memorabilia. Yeah. So I'd rather just like put all the bents and like, I have thought about this, like at issue 1000 and if, I'll keep going after that, obviously, but like every thousand issues, putting all the bents in like a book being like here's bitcoin history through my eyes over these thousand days right and you can put like five of them could be an autographed limited edition or whatever yeah we'll it's see. not like the craziest idea it's just like it's just funny that like bitcoiners are like in the same industry considered in the same industry as this because it's it's really a whole different ball game yeah it really is no again i i actually think it it would be remiss if I did not mention the fact that last week we said we weren't going to like focus on NFTs ever again. And, and here we are starting the episode off again. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a long year. I'm, it's okay. No, but I agree. It's, it's, it doesn't compete with Bitcoin. If you're out there and you want to be an NFT collector, it's, I, it's something I'd like to highlight. And that's what I tweeted out Friday of last week, I believe. Like <laughs> it's opportunity cost. Like you're buying these NFTs. Cool, you may value them. I think, again, like I said last week, I think they're extremely overvalued right now. Uh, that's an opportunity cost of sats you could be stacking. So just keep that in mind. I don't think the NFT market's going to appreciate as much as the Bitcoin market is over, over the course of the next two decades. So just take it with a grain of salt. You can, and if you want to try and trade and ride the wave and dump it at the top, go for it. Not my game. Not playing that game. Not enough time. Not enough time in the world. There's there's too many sats to be stacked out there. So I'm going to stay focused on that endeavor. Stay humble. And speaking of sats, one cuckbuck is currently going to get you 1,770 sats. That is because the price of Bitcoin is $56,490, according to Clark's dashboard. We're above a trillion dollar market cap again, sitting at $1.05 trillion. Uh, we're at block 674,165, 18.65 million Bitcoin have been distributed to the market. 88.81% of all Bitcoin that will ever be mined. Uh, we did have that downward difficulty adjustment that we were talking about last week. It happened, uh, the night of the fifth, I believe what's the, or the, uh, the sixth, the fourth, it's the 11th. Yeah. Today's the 11th. So was, I think it happened after we recorded last week and it was a, Downward difficulty adjustment, uh, 1.3% down, uh, downward adjustment. Right now, blocks are coming in. Uh, since that last adjustment, they're coming in at 9 minutes and 51 seconds, which is quicker than the, the block time target of 10 minutes. And so right now, we're 100 
excuse me, 1,195 blocks away from the next adjustment. That's estimated to be a 1.6% increase, um, which again is not is not that sizable after 1.3% decrease going up by 1.6%. Will will leave us below that difficulty all time high, I believe, um, when we get to that point, which still signals that that hash rate is not keeping up with the price as we hover. Are we ASIC at? shortage? ASIC shortage. Uh, regulation in China is something we didn't mention as well. I believe last week, some provinces, particularly Mongolia and Shen, I don't know if it's Shenzhen, I forgot the second province, but they're making some miners unplug. Are we, what was the all time high? We hit 57,000 yesterday or the day before? Bit, uh, Bitcoin price? Yeah. I think it was 58K. 58. Oh, interesting. Um, um, I could check. Currently, there are forty-one thousand eight hundred thirty-five. We haven't, and that was before. That was that was before the dip. Like we haven't re weeks ago. It yet. Oh, what? interesting. It was a few weeks ago. I th- I, th- I thought we broke it earlier this week. Pretty sure we haven't. Oh. Um, like I was saying, there's forty-one thousand eight hundred ninety-eight transactions in Clark's mempool. Uh, average fees per block are going up. Actually, they're down a little bit. Point seven seven over the last 2016 blocks. Um, so yeah, those are the stats. Whirlpool, where are we at? Unspent capacity, it's still staying pretty static, covering at 1,969, nice, 0.19 Bitcoin, $111.6 million worth of liquidity in, in Whirlpool. Plebs, we got the 100K sat pool now. New oh, pool, yeah. who this? We can pump it. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing. Uh, like the power of number go up in terms of handling dust. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, when Whirlpool first came out, it seemed kind of ridiculous to have any kind of pool under a million sats because a million sats was like $40. Um, And now the 100K sat pool has been added and it's worth about $50, like $55. Yeah, that is a very good point. And like people were like saying to Matt, me, Matt, like, oh, Matt, I have, you know, a 900,000 sat uh, change transaction from my coin join rounds because 1 million sats was the lowest pool, right? What should I do with it? Like, do I combine it with other change? And you don't want to combine those UTXOs because it, it links and, and provides additional information about you on chain. It links an ownership there. Um, so you really don't want to combine UTXOs that are involved with, with CoinJoin. You don't really want to combine them in general. All things equal, it hurts your privacy because it links the UTXOs together. So I said to people, I was like, just wait. Like, there'll be a smaller pool. Uh, and this is the perfect example of that, right? So that's number go cool. up. Number, number go up fixes everything. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but it definitely it does. Is. Bitcoin fixes everything. <laughs> um, the... Sorry, I had to respond to somebody real quick. Um, yeah. Should we get right into shout outs this week so we don't forget them? Yeah, let's fucking do it. Uh, we got two. I love the shout outs. Um, oh, this is an interesting one. First, thank you for the priceless content. Thank you for listening and reading. Hats off to you both. I'm writing because this bottle pay rejection of Whirlpool coins has my balls in a juicer. I can't shake my paranoia that this trend will grow and eventually become the norm. I have a massive amount of funds that I have whirlpooled 
and have a routine of sending in more that eventually make it to my cold card. It is unnerving to think that this amount of money could end up unusable outside a potentially limited market. I'm now wondering if I should never should have never mixed it at all and just lived with the privacy trade-offs. I also now hesitate to send any more through Whirlpool. It feels like I might be sending my Bitcoin into some kind of monetary purgatory. Did I break into jail? Even a coin swap might just land me with more mixed coins or some other taint. Are there pools on the horizon to obfuscate my mixed history? Is there something else I could do? Am I blowing this way out of proportion? Thank you, in all caps, Grateful Freak. First off, I love the metaphors. Uh, second of all, se- second second of all, I'm in the same situation. Uh, all, all my UTXOs have coin join history, specifically cool history, as is Marty. Um, I think you you got you got to look at it the opposite way. First of all, this idea that um, we need to hide the fact that we're privacy seeking users is it needs to be killed right now. That 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 idea needs to be killed. When when a user uses encryption it is immediately obvious that the user is using encryption. When you, when you send like a signal message and, and it's going through, you know, the data waves or whatever, like it is obvious that's an encrypted message blob. Um, that user is seeking privacy. That doesn't mean it's an illicit message. It could just be me sending it like a cat photo to, to my lady or something. Um, that, that should just be the standard. Uh, same thing goes with CoinJoin. Same thing goes with Tor usage. Same thing goes with VPN usage. These are all, these are all privacy technologies um, that are obvious to external observers, uh, but we don't consider them inherently illicit. And the same thing goes with CoinJoin, same with cash, same idea. Um, So I think, first of all, we got to push back against that concept as a whole. I think the second thing is we do have to operate under the assumption though that it's going to be more and more difficult to to deposit and withdraw from these regulated institutions, period, if you're a sovereign private user. And you should probably operate under the assumption um, that that you're not gonna you're not gonna need or want to do that for you know at least five to ten years. Um, but I, I think ultimately, like when we're in a a Bitcoinized economy, this idea that certain Bitcoin will be accepted or denied at like a small merchant or something who's running BTC Pay server um, and accepting Lightning. Um, and liquid or whatever we have at that point um, is going to be able to, first of all, be able to know your UTXO history definitively that was involved with you. And then second of all, that they're going to actually go through that to, to discriminate. I think we are going to have way bigger issues on our hands. And I think it ends up hurting the Bitcoin valuation. So if there's any kind, I don't, first of all, I don't think it can be enforced at scale. And I think if it was ever successfully attempted, um, there'd be a lot of pushback uh to to basically protect bitcoin you know sovereign usage i agree what do you think here marty i agree no i think understand the um the worry those thoughts go through my head as well but yeah, like matt said you gotta you gotta approach it from the opposite angle like we should be fighting for this we should be normalizing this uh, to the best of our abilities and again like, the, the crowd gets stronger as it grows so the more people doing it the, the harder it is to uh, erect that purgatory that, that this anon freak is is talking about. Um, it is it is unnerving at times, but hey, like we're fighting for freedom here. It's not going to be easy. 
right? Like uh, you gotta, you gotta take action. It's something that we, you know, talk about a lot on this, this particular podcast. So, um, uh, reminds me of that tweet I sent out, uh, it was like George Washington almost didn't participate in the revolution because he was afraid the British were going to make it illegal. Yeah, right. It's like that's exactly. It's, <laughs> it's not. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be. Um, this is yeah. They're not just going to lay over. It's going to be a fight. It's, you have to take action and stand up for what you believe in. And if you believe in financial privacy. Uh, especially in a Bitcoin world, and you have to you have to fight for it, and you have to fight for technologies like Whirlpool. So it is what it is. I don't think we're going to be in purgatory. I think we're going to win this fight because we have logic and truth behind us. So, and and talking about like just practical, like wh- like where do you draw the line on UTXO history, right? Like this is this is one of the things that first of all, all the regulated companies can't talk about it. Um, the chain surveillance companies that these regulated companies outsource their their risk analysis to intentionally don't talk about it because they don't want um, for, for two reasons for regulatory compliance that they're not supposed to talk about anti quote unquote anti money laundering operations um, and then second of all because it's their proprietary trade secrets and they just keep themselves like a black box but like the big the big question mark that makes all this shit really unenforceable at scale is where do you draw that line? So if something had gone through coin join history five years ago and, you know, five years ago and then went into lightning and the, and then got settled out of lightning and, and then maybe went into like a liquid or something and all these different transactions happened in between. And like, at, at what point does that UTXO no longer have like a higher risk score um, or is considered yes or no. And and then you go all the way to the full extreme, right? Where it, it went into Whirlpool and then directly, uh, you know, the last transaction was CoinJoin. Um, and like, there's like that sliding scale in the middle that makes it completely impractical to enforce. And really what you're looking at, if there was ever any kind of really successful enforcement, like that prevented you from spending your coins, you're looking basically at an attempt at like a full self-custody ban, right? Because it's like, what you're gonna if you're running BTC pay server, you're supposed to chain analysis every single coin you receive. You know you're supposed to just allow every every transaction you make to expose sensitive private information to to both your counterparty who you're trading with and anyone who's watching the chain. Um, like that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's absurd. We're gonna win, freaks. Have confidence. Be bold. Be brave. And speak up. Speak but there might truth. be self custody bans. That's the thing. I've, I'm not saying that there. You know. <laughs> they, they could still attempt to do that even if it's impractical yeah they, they can attempt to do it and that. then when they do it come and take it come and take it <laughs> we'll see FBI how it plays agent. out freaks but we're in it together i think that's the important part yeah and, and being in it together too it's a global initiative too so if they come and they try to cuck us here in the united states we're depending on you freaks globally to to pick up the mantle and and run with self-custody and if you europeans get you're, you're probably going to get bored first with how bad AML D5 is. Yeah, um, in this case, it's 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 worse in Europe. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think we're going to see massive regulatory arbitrage. Like basically what happens is to have any kind, to be effective at all, you basically need all these countries to cooperate. They can't cooperate for shit. So if you're just a one a one shot or you're doing it just your country, you're ending up, you're just hurting law-abiding citizens, your own law-abiding citizens. Uh so it's really counterintuitive. Yeah. Yeah. Beware, freaks. 
second and last shout out of the Good week. Sup freaks. I'm done with GBTC. 10% premium crash to negative 10% in a blink of an eye. Matt just spit out his coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Despite all the pro trader jack wagons in their mom's basement saying the arb narb, the premium spread, your ass cheeks can all go suck on a bunch. GBTC is not as good as Bitcoin. Exclamation point. Obviously. It's just a bunch of IOUs to dump on someone. No sort of fib nips and magical nines and golden cross showers is ever going to change that. I'm done with all of it. I sold all my stocks and only buying Bitcoin from here on out. Pure fuck you money. Bitcoin. Those jack wagons can go scat on someone else. I'm tired of having my money devalued and my time stolen. I'm tired of looking at charts. All my savings, all my capital will be added to my sat stack. I'm getting my time back so I can live my life with my family. Screw Bitcoin going to the moon or Mars. Bitcoin's going to the beginning of time. The big fucking bang. I'm opting out of Earth. Let's drink, freaks. Woo! That one got me fired up. I mean, it's actually like a perfect segue from the last, uh, the last uh, shout out discussion opt out well i i think it's 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 interesting that this discount has created a whole new discussion around what is gbtc and what is the value of gbtc and what is the value of self-custody um which is always important that's a discussion that we want to happen all the time uh, here at tftc um and the answer will always be the same not your keys not your coins um gbtc had you know especially to traditional investors had value for just convenience sake um, to get in. Um, but ultimately they have a management fee. Uh, they have no way to actually redeem for actual Bitcoin. Um, so they should always trade at a discount going forward. Um, probably not as substantial of a discount as, as what we saw, right? We saw it hit, I think it almost hit 15% under the actual price of Bitcoin. Um, and then now it now it's nominalized more like it's like five percent or something, but it's only like DCG came out, Digital Currency Group, the parent company of CoinDesk, and Grayscale, who runs GBTC, announced that they're going to be buying up to two hundred and fifty million dollars worth of GBTC on the open market, basically telling the market like we're going to try and get this 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 negative down, um, and that's what really brought it back. Uh, one other thing that's just really interesting about GBTC is like, like when I wake up in the morning, like it takes like three hours for GBTC to start trading, <laughs> three and a half hours for GBTC to start trading is like crazy. Like when you have like these insane Bitcoin moves, like that reason too, should, it should have a discount because it actually has open and close hours, which is crazy. Yeah. As a Bitcoiner. I mean, it stacks ads. I think this freak who gave up on GBTC and is done with the arb narb. You want to talk Pre about the BlockFi thing at all? Yeah, I mean, I was actually going to bring that up because I know you've, we've been talking about it behind the scenes. I think, again, like I don't have anything definitive to say here. We can just lay out the, the I don't even, we don't even know the facts. So like lay out the theories, I guess. Yeah, let's start with the theory. Yeah. What's the theory? So the theory is that this discount, uh, that GBT is trading at now is is hurting BlockFi um, because they're they're lending out Bitcoin on the other end of their interest product to to sellers who are are trading or arbing that GBTC, which was once a premium. They were they were playing that arb play on the premium. Now that it's a discount, 
the theory is that some of those traders on the other side are underwater and that is uh, that is um, sort of hurting BlockFi as they're heavily exposed. Number one, a GBTC uh, just from pure ownership stake in in the product, and then number two, from these these traders arming the product as well. Um, so some compounded risk there is the theory, uh, and people think it's leading to solvency issues with BlockFi, but I don't know how. Um, I don't know if there's any teeth behind these theories and then you add to the fact that they shut down a signups temporarily earlier this week. And it's just, it's adding to people's uh, questions around BlockFi. I don't, I don't know if I, I, I'm actually leaning towards, I don't, I think that theory doesn't have much weight behind it, but. Okay. Well, okay. Wait. So to be clear, first of all, BlockFi denies any solvency issues. They said they have no solvency issues. They've also reactivated signups since closing them. Um, Marty explained the theory pretty, pretty well. Um, I would add two things. I mean, these pretty clients well. are pretty good. Pretty, I don't know. The, the, these clients are, were using high interest loans from BlockFi, right? To arb this, to arb this GBTC premium, to harvest that, you know, when it was up by like 15% or something. So they were paying high interest loans to harvest that 15%. Um, but it took, the trade takes like six months, the way like the lockup period works. So they're, they're all piling into this trade. The premium goes all the way up to like 40% at one point in December. Um, and then the trade turns on them. And I'm pretty sure BlockFi also was doing the trade themselves because BlockFi had announced that they were holding like 5% five, 5 of GBTC shares. They, they had to regulatory announce that. Um, so all those things are happening at the same time. And, and to be clear already, you know, we talked about not your keys, not your coins it applies more than ever in the terms of BlockFi. Like BlockFi's main business is to give you um, interest on your Bitcoin holdings. And then they rehypothecate it as a service. They'll lend it out as a service. So you're taking on in pretty heavy custodial and counterparty risk for, as far as I'm concerned, a very small return, like 6% on, a, on an asset that can move up 10% in a day uh, seems kind of low to me to give up my, like, I would never do that. And on top of that, I mean, they wouldn't even accept my UTXOs because they have coin joint history. Um, but that's, so all of that said and done, the theory was as, as the discount widens further um, or, or just stays in, in, in its place, they were going to have more and more issues. Since that happened, since that accusation happened, Barry Silbert came out and the first time he's tweeted in over a month, he tweeted that they were going to buy the $250 million worth of GBTC. And BlockFi today went on like a big PR campaign about all the money they just raised. $300 million, um, right? Which, which was raised, presumably was raised already, right? They just decided that today was going to be the day that they were going to announce it to the world and make a big thing about it. So it really does feel like, like, did you see Palm's video today? Like it felt like the, I, I don't want to like FUD or like create any whatever. We're explaining uh, the theories. Like, We're explaining the theories. Yeah, these are, but like the Palm video reminded me of the Roger Beer video with Mount Gox. I didn't see the Palm video. What was it? It's like him sitting, standing in front of a, like a, a, a clear white background. And he's like, He's like, I'm super proud of the team at BlockFi. They just raised all this money from all these big investors. And he lists out all the names of the investors. And he's like, there's never been a better product for crypto investors. And, and then he shills his ref link at the end. And he also led the round. Yeah. So that's just, you know, that's just my two sides. Yeah, it is. There's a lot of 
this could all just be a coincidence, you know? Um, and like, yeah, after talking to Renee, who's head of their risk management, like, I think they have smart people working, working the risk desk and the, the, the hedging of the risk overall. I hope they're solvent. I like to think they are, um, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a risk I'm willing to take personally. Um, I hope for the sake of BlockFi users and BlockFi the company, they're all good people there. I hope that, uh, I hope that they're okay. Yeah, but the GBTC thing is weird. Now you have Barry, yeah, like you said, the the First Barry in a month. the Barry funding. I think Chris Ben Ben Dixon um, tweeted out that's like very akin to like the Federal Reserve um, bailing out the banks or something like that. Um, that's what I kind of feel. I feel like the risk profile was just everyone everyone who was involved in this trade was just like, oh well, Barry will bail bail us out if it turned out wrong, and then he had bailed them out, and that's yeah. kind of what happened. Yeah. And now Barry is looking for ETF specialist. So maybe they're trying to get away from GBTC and, and the headaches that come with that particular product, especially as ETF products and other Bitcoin exposure products come to market. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Barry's fucking printed so much money off this product over the years. Like is $250 million even that much? Like, no, it's nothing. He's still making 2% on the fucking whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. 40 billion dollars or something like that right now like you didn't say just a money printer yeah all you can say is you know i mean for more reasons than one but you know thank god that bitcoin doesn't prove a stake because like those like imagine just one organization owning that much like that's crazy yeah yeah hey man we need to save the environment though like we should be open-minded about proof of stake dude you're just i guess i didn't realize like you're gonna be you're just getting started huh you're gonna be battling all the uh blue checks over bitcoin and the environment this whole year it's just yeah, gonna I, be a, a daily thing for you it is like the chapo chap trap house guys it came at them in the newsletter i don't they know much about chapo us, trap house right? but people are telling me that they're they're important on the internet should i be, should i be scared they want to drone strike mining operations yeah yeah with no due process like that is anti-freedom right and i saw you responded to that guy like somebody who's been trying to take down authoritarians that's what you built your career on your your media company and I mean, just... I mean i think i think that's the free the, that that's the framing we have to go with i mean that's going to be the most effective framing going forward is look i don't care what money you use i just think that the american values are that that people should have the freedom to choose their money um and if if, if you're against that as a concept then you're both anti-freedom um and you're basically admitting that your money is is worse money and you're you're worried that the only way that you could prevent people from fleeing it is to forcibly prevent them from fleeing it with violence like very aggressive violence a predator drone that is super fucked up right and it's like so let's jump into it for the freaks who may not be aware um, energy FUD is increasing again. Obviously, the price of Bitcoin is going up. So, just going to happen. And Bitcoin miners, myself included, were being very, uh, very vocal about what we're doing to attempt to help the environment by, particularly the flared gas miners. So, us, a lot of people ran with Matt LaRoche's tweet. Um, with he had a video of his operation down in Texas, and all the social justice warriors jumped on it and. Um, the tweet we're talking about though doesn't doesn't uh, reference Matt's. I don't think maybe the thread 
that Will Menaker um, quote tweeted has something to do with it, but I'm not sure because Amber Blade Jones, uh, the person Will quote tweeted, her account's private. You can't really see up the thread too much. But it's like, all right, so like this particular situation, uh, what led uh, Will Menaker, the Chapo Trap House king or whatever he is, um, to, to say that we need to drone all these mining operations. So this girl, Amber, looking into Bitcoin mines and perpetuating this mass usage of electricity that's solely going towards Bitcoining and having to go through rolling back blackouts in California in the summer, where often people go without power or AC for hours, kind of fucked, man, to think about too long. And Will quote reads that and says, every single one of these places should be hit with a predator drone and amber has pictures of bitcoin mining operations from around the world not even california like in in the picture and so that was the point of yesterday's uh, bent was like are you know, like bitcoin's critics and these people want to violently bomb uh, bitcoin mining operations don't even understand bitcoin or just general problems uh, in general like so the the rolling blackouts in california like again, like I said in the newsletter, the best of my knowledge, there's no like scale, like large scale Bitcoin mining operations on grid in California or off grid for that matter, for that matter that I'm aware of. And like, so she's just taking random pictures of Bitcoin mining operations like from around the world. I'm pretty sure this one is is from Greenwich Energy up in New York. Like I, I'm pretty sure I recognize it from there. And she's saying that Bitcoin mining is is causing like she's. Is, basically assuming that Bitcoin mining operations are causing the rolling blackouts in California and the rolling blackouts in California are being caused by idiotic state policy to decommission natural gas and nuclear energy facilities and without any plan to uh, replace that power generation. Like it's not Bitcoin miners causing your rolling blackouts. They're not stealing electricity that is causing rolling blackouts for the citizens of California. The rolling blackouts are happening because the state of California is completely fucking dumb and decommissioned in these, these, these energy facilities that were providing abundant energy to the market and they turned them off and decommissioned them without replacing that energy source. Like this should be expected. And like having people come in, like just put random pictures of Bitcoin mining operations from around the world, say that these mining operations that are nowhere near California the cause for the blackouts when Bitcoin has nothing to do with the cause of the blackouts. And then somebody's taking that misinformation and then saying uh, Bitcoin miners should be droned via hellfire missiles. It's like insane. These people don't understand Bitcoin, obviously, but then they don't even understand the intricacies of the market beyond Bitcoin and what's going on. It's, it's really scary how stupid people are. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's, uh, it's exhausting just, uh, hearing the recap about it. Yeah. I hope the recap was okay. I stumbled there a little bit. No, it was a good recap. It was a good recap. I just, it's, it's what is old is new again. You know, this is FUD that we've heard forever. Um, and it's, you know, we live in a social media age where every blue check is going to have an opinion on every, on, on every different topic. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I, 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 I think the, these people are, are obviously wrong. I just don't know 
if arguing with them is very effective. Like they don't, right? I mean, I guess I guess what you're the the goal should be as as with as with all Bitcoin deniers, the goal should be to reach their audience. You're actually trying to um, show their audience the facts rather than convince the person who doesn't want to be convinced. Agreed. Agreed. And that was sort of the the reason or the the goal of yesterday's letter was to say, hey, like if you're a Bitcoiner out there and you're seeing this FUD, especially if you're a newer Bitcoin, you're like, oh gosh, like am I getting something that's like like bad? And you know, like people have those inclinations. Like, no, like here, like throughout history, we've been through these cycles many times. Matt and I have seen these arguments time and time again. They've been debunked thoroughly multiple times throughout Bitcoin's life's lifetime. And they're just going to keep coming back and keep coming back. So the goal of yesterday's letter was like, hey, most of Bitcoin's loudest critics don't understand how Bitcoin works. They don't understand the value it provides, uh, especially compared to its competitors. And then beyond that, they don't even understand like anything really other than like what they're forced to work on day in and day out. And that's actually another one of the beautiful things about Bitcoin. Like I didn't understand the dynamics of the oil and gas market and the energy market at large until I got into Bitcoin mining was forced to, to think about how all this stuff comes together. That's the, the beauty of Bitcoin is it forces you to think once you figure out how bad the money's fucked and how, uh, how vast the misunderstanding around what money is, how it should function, how it has functioned for the last five decades. And you, you see that like, Oh shit. Like if we have fucked this up that bad, like how many other, areas of life have we fucked up and forces you to think about all this where Bitcoin's detractors don't have the same type of, of mindset. Yeah. I mean, I, I think just in general, I mean, Joe Rogan has this line that I always love from his standup, which is like, when I, when I was a kid, I thought there was adults and then I grew up and I just realized everyone was winging it. Um, and that is the case. So like, I'm not pretending like we, you know, figured out a lot of this shit instantly. Like it took us a lot of time too. Um, I think there's just a tendency with people in general to just assume status quo things, um, to be hyperbolic about things, uh, to not actually research or do things themselves. But it's just so weird in this particular circumstance because like Bitcoin critics who come at for the power angle, we're on so completely different like uh, perspectives because in, in from our perspective, like I think and I know you agree, like Bitcoin improves our uh, energy grid, our, improves our energy mix, and improves sustainability, improves uh, efficiency, you know? And they're saying the exact opposite, the complete extreme opposite. Uh, so it's, it's a very interesting position to be in. And I, this is, you know, not priced in. I, I think that this is just a perfect example of a, a, a specific nuance of Bitcoin that the overwhelming majority of the world doesn't understand, even people in our so-called industry, a lot of them uh, believe that proof of work is, is, is like Bitcoin successful in spite of proof of work rather than a main reason being that distributed proof of work exists. Uh, they think it's a problem that needs to be solved. And so as people come to the realization and, and reevaluate their thinking here, um, adoption should increase and the price should rise. Like even if, even if you're if you're talking about the most generous uh, estimates of how many people are are starting to understand this beast, like you're talking like 200 million people, so you, you got you got seven over seven billion people that not only don't really understand Bitcoin. I mean, I'm not even saying I fully understand it after all this time, but not only do they 
not fully, not even have like a, a strong grasp of Bitcoin, they don't expect it. They don't see it coming. Like it's a, it's a crazy thing. Like to, to think that there's all these people that have no idea uh, the magnitude of, of what's about to happen here. And that's, it blows my mind. It like, it, we are still so fucking early. Yeah. So early. And guess what? All you ignorant Bitcoin detractors, we're not stopping great American mining. We're not going to stop finding gas that's being flared and plugging in miners to, to mine Bitcoin and, and prevent that methane leak. Like you can cry all you want. We will, we will drink your tears and we'll keep stacking sats. Like, that's the other thing. It's opt-in. So I got into a thread with one of the Intercept journalists yesterday. Uh, you know, he, he basically had a tweet like, hey, he was quoting the Vice article that, that wrote about Matt LaRoche's uh, setup in Texas. And he was like, yeah, we need, we need to have a conversation, like an honest conversation about Bitcoin's energy consumption and socio political effects on the world and i like quote tweeted it and like just replace bitcoin with xbox and he was like i don't think you're understanding like what i'm saying like like we need to have nuanced discussion i think we need to like have nuanced discussion i was like why do we need to have nuanced discussion about like there are countless examples of technologies that have come to market that consume energy and change the socio-political landscape and bitcoin's just doing it in the monetary aspect but i use the the example of social media social media the tweets that we send the the, the telegram chats that we send the the facebook messages that are sent they exist on servers that convert energy and use a lot of electricity and the the nature of the social media platform shifted the way politics plays out and, and the conversation around politics particularly you can make a very strong argument that Donald Trump was our president because of social media. Like that is a technology that consumes mass amounts of energy and shifted the, the paradigm of, of our socio-political interactions with each other. Bitcoin is the same exact thing. It's just doing it with money. And, and, and the fact that Bitcoin has to justify its energy conversion uh, and the fact that it's changing socio-political dynamics even though it's a completely opt-in system, just doesn't compute in my mind. Like, why are we having this conversation about Bitcoin? We didn't have about Facebook, MySpace, all that stuff. They all consume energy. They all shift the socio-political paradigm. Like, it doesn't make, it's just false. It's not consistent. I hate the inconsistency. Um, a couple of things. First of all, I laughed when I saw the Xbox tweet because you're just always coming at video games. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, this is also the, the funny thing here is most of the time when you're arguing with these people, they're the type of people that think that electricity prices should be subsidized or free. Um, and that's why electricity prices exist in the, uh, on the, on the contrary, electricity prices are what stop waste usage, right? Like if I'm running my Xbox, I'm going to have to pay, I should have to pay market rates to run that Xbox. And if I don't think it's worth that time that I've put in to have the money to pay the rate, then I won't use the Xbox for that time. That's, that's how capitalism works. Um, but instead, what happens is we have these heavily sub subsidized elect, you know, electricity rates um, that in, you know, incentivize poor behavior in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, and, and it's just funny because they would argue the exact opposite. And I just think it's just a ridiculous, it's just a ridiculous premise to begin with. Yeah. No, and again, they'll... 
we're letting them we're letting them drag us down into the nft and energy fund conversation we're just, yeah giving it too much airtime but we're gonna ex freaks expect more of it uh but it's something we'll keep reevaluating. on a on a separate note that i thought was interesting i do have the new xbox uh which does consume a decent amount of power um but one cool thing about it is it has this feature where i can play um xbox games that i own remotely from like a phone or tablet and it goes back like my xbox is like a home server that does it interesting um and what i thought was an interesting takeaway there is they wouldn't need to set it up in that way if it wasn't for like ip laws and like regulatory burden so they 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 otherwise they could just serve it from you know microsoft has one of the largest cloud servers in the, in the world they have azure like it, they have super good capability of of serving things via the cloud but the ownership structure there they couldn't make it work even if i own the game they couldn't make it work so i could stream from the cloud but what they could do was they could build it into the to the box that i have at home uh connected to a, a like a hard line you know a hard line internet connection like a strong internet connection um and i kind of feel like that's what's going to compel uh, easy to use Bitcoin node node usage, right? Because when you have custodial usage, it's like a very similar framing. You have custodial usage, uh, and that is high. You know that has a high regulatory burden. But if if you put a box in someone's home that's easy to use that connects back to their mobile phone and they're doing everything themselves, then you don't have that regulatory burden. And it's amazing how easy Xbox made it. Like the average user doesn't realize probably doesn't even realize that the remote play is, is getting served from their their home box they don't even know yeah no that is really really cool and a good i like that example and that uh, sort of framework for for future bitcoin node operations xbox hey it's good for something teaching us the way uh, i'm kidding i love xbox actually I admitted it a few weeks ago. I played some Call of Duty recently. Very good game. Very we're, fun game. Marty, we're 50 minutes in, and we haven't talked about this acre shareholder yet. Letter yet. Which well, is I mean, like it's a perfect. The, the energy stuff is a perfect segue into this it, it, huge oil conglomerate software producer acre group, and they have they have a a goal to transition to to make their operations more greener across all their companies and they came out announced second richest man in Norway correct I saw I saw top 10 but I'll I call him I, I'll call him the second richest I've seen as high as number two if, let's go if Bitcoin keeps doing it what it does <laughs> he's probably going to be number one unless number one is stack some sats as well but uh, yeah so uh, I, I'm going to really really butcher his name is it just Kel Shell I mean, I don't know why you attempted to pronounce it. I'm just going to say can't Kel be, we can't be expected to pronounce that name. I, I don't know how to do that. Kelly Crispin Dixon, if you're listening, <laughs> I know you're from Norway. I need, I need you to help us with this. But uh, second richest man, Kel. I'm just going to go with Kel. Um, he announced the the establishment of CT, S-E-E-T-E-E, -E -E, uh, which is going to be a Bitcoin-focused company uh, helping to invest in the space and, and, and support projects that, that build applications on top of Bitcoin. They're already contributing and they're on Twitter uh, saying they, they were already contributing the BTC pay server, I believe. 
Uh, they're going to hold all their assets in Bitcoin. And they have the shareholder letter, uh, 23 pages and just an incredible distillation of Bitcoin's value prop, the, the potential uh, uh, for it to innovate and, and to bring good things to humanity. So he, he touched on energy FUD, touched on KYC AML. How pumped were you about the KYC AML section? It caught me out completely off guard. Right, it's uh, the shareholder letter. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it, 23 pages of just straight bullishness. I was like completely in shock. You, you I'm numb. still I'm still completely in shock. I'm just it hasn't really hit me yet. The tweet the tweet you sent out like my body is numb after reading that. I'm so <laughs> bullish right now. It's, I laughed hard. It's great. Like, like I got uh, after the announcement, I reached out to them to try and get them on the podcast. We're gonna try and make that happen Clock, at yes. some point in the future. They're very very busy right now, but um, I bet they, they some, are. They have some some good reputable quality Bitcoiners uh, working at CT. So it's good to see, and, and it, it showed in this shareholder letter. Yeah, I mean, our, our boy Jack Mahler's got a major shout out in the letter. Um, I don't know. It's just, it was, everyone should go read it. We have it linked in the show notes. You should just go read the letter, send it to your friends and family. It's like the most legitimate Bitcoin, you know, pro Bitcoin missive or letter or, you know, I, I don't know pump piece that I've ever pump piece d- diminishes it that I've ever read. I, I just completely took me off guard. I had no idea what this company was or anything. Um, full disclosure, but they, it's just super impressive. It's yeah. I, I, it, it read like, a it, it read like one of us was writing it. Yeah. But in this case, there's a Norwegian billionaire who controls, you know, this massive energy giant. Yeah. And, and I mean, his backstory is fascinating, right? Like living in Washington state, selling, you know, being like a fish merchant um, at scale and the way he describes risk, right? And the risk around Bitcoin and, and, and defining and putting forth that it's actually riskier not to, to have skin in the Bitcoin game, I think was, was a powerful part of the letter as well. Um, describing the opportunity cost of missing this type of innovation. And there was like no just dis- like there was no distractions in it. He wasn't talking about like all these we see we see it time and time again, these these super wealthy people that get distracted um, by like all these different altcoins and like the the newest, you know, blockchain and AI and all this stuff. And this was just a hyper focused, hyper focused letter on Bitcoin, on this, on this asset. Uh, both it was about both the the network the protocol and the asset but it was like he even had a part where he was he basically told his friends and family to put everything they have into bitcoin he said he said i wouldn't tell my friends and family to put everything into bitcoin my lawyers call that a litigation risk which i i think was like he was like basically insinuating that you should put everything you have into bitcoin right or was i just reading that as a bitcoiner no no i I think that's like a sly roundabout way of getting past the legal right? bullshit. There's a fucking billionaire, like OG businessman writing that shit instead of just like a pleb on Twitter being like, if you're not all in, you're short Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it was super based. And like you said, just focused on what you want to see. And that's like, that's the crazy thing. The content's working, freaks. Uh, everybody putting out content and helping to raise the 
the floor of education around Bitcoin, the protocol and the potential it presents humanity, it's working. Like the, the learning curve is getting less steep, I would say, especially for these big guys. And it's incredible to see these billionaires and these conglomerates come in and get Bitcoin. Like again, like being based about KYC AML saying it's ineffective. And if you want to, like if you try to force KYC AML on Bitcoin, it's going to devalue the value prop and it's probably going to be very hard and you should be doing better detective work. Like it's ineffective. And like with Bitcoin, people deserve financial privacy. And if you think they're doing something uh, nefarious or illegal, like you approach that person, you say, hey, like we have these charges against you. Like we have, we have due process. We believe you've done something illegal. Here's a warrant from a judge that allows us to uh, ask you to hand over information about your Bitcoin holdings. In a world in which uh, you want justice served, that actually makes sense to me. But to, to try to force KYC AML on everybody from the jump, that doesn't. And these guys get that. That was just incredible to see. And I think the efforts, and they, they gave shout out to a bunch of people uh, in the space and, and the stuff that they put out. We weren't on that list, but. Wait, they shouted out, they shouted out like Bitcoin haters too. He was like, you helped me. Like they had like uh, Michael Green, like the Bitcoin yeah, denier, Michael Green was on there. What? Prof Plum. And there's a couple others. Like he, he put some prominent Bitcoin deniers up there and he was like, your your arguments against your weak arguments against it helped me solidify my position on bitcoin or something to that effect yeah super based so, so very ridiculous. excited to see what uh ct brings to market how they contribute um for now they're just buying bitcoin oh and they run btc pay server yeah um yeah and they have a focus on expanding the mining industry and making the energy extraction industry more and more efficient which is great to see in the clean right they're an en energy company so it seems like that's a natural fit yeah uh matthew we got a shout out while we we're recording should i read it let's rip it you're gonna love this one real base dispatch yesterday shout out to rockstar dev and his tweet storms hashtag samson hashtag liquid matt that's pretty funny did samson Cheers, dm you are you gonna be like a liquid shill now no, uh, Rockstar was like live, live tweeting everything. <laughs> I know, I know. And yeah, I think he tweeted out like Blockstream should hire me to show Liquid. Yeah, and Samson responded like we should talk. Yeah. Did you guys talk? No, we did not talk. But... Well, the freaks know my feelings on Liquid. If they don't, they should listen to Citadel Dispatch. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, freak. Uh, we appreciate. Uh, we appreciate all your freaks. Keep crot dude, you're crushing it with the dispatch. He was thoroughly entertained and informed on Tuesday night. So keep crushing it, dude. I'm uh, finally we'll... figuring out the YouTube turnaround on the copyright flagging. What I can get it? it up, I can get the video back up now in like six hours. Hey. I got the downtime down. And anybody listening in Hawaii, that works out great for you. Exactly. You like a little happy hour dispatch. Um it's keeping on the bullish news, following up on Acre. You have this further down the list, but I'm pushing it up the list. NY Dig uh, raised a $200 million growth round uh, with some big names on that list. Morgan Stanley, New York Life, Mass Mutual, Soros Fund Management, and FS Investments. Uh, Fucking Soros. Yeah, right? Like, I don't want to be the one to say it, but 
Also, it turns out the pronunciation is Nydig. <laughs> so I'll own that, Nydig. being wrong on that one. And you have me saying it wrong. What? Yeah. It's, it's my, I mean, because I, I heard one of their, their, their higher-ups called it Nydig. So if they're calling it Nydig, I guess that's just what we're supposed to call it. But I disagree with their naming choice. Hey, you're a strong New Yorker. Yeah, it should be, <laughs> it should be New York Dig. But okay, cool with it. Yeah. No, I mean, this is incredible news. Shout out to Ross Stevens and team. Um, the insurance company is crazy, right? And one of them, didn't one of the New York Life guys join the board now? Yes. Um, so, and, it, and again, that, that, so that was an announcement after this announcement. They had two PR wire announcements this week. So New York Life chairman and CEO Ted Mathis uh, joined NYDIG's board of directors. And he had some pretty base quotes as well. Like, uh so here's here's one at the bottom of that that uh, that press release that you, I think you're gonna like. Focus, be humble, be kind, anti-fragile. These aren't just the words on the coffee mugs that Ross and team use. They are the values that define who they are and how they operate. Values that I deeply share," said Mr. Mathis. "I am excited to jo- be joining Nidig's distinguished board at such a pivotal time in the firm as the Bitcoin ecosystem continues to mature and expand. I strongly believe in the management team." and its mission of offering critical financial services that enable safe and secure access to the emerging open source monetary system for all. Just incredible, again, like based, gets the value prop of Bitcoin coming from one of the longest standing, the CEO of one of the longest standing insurance companies in the United States, in New York life. Like getting that caliber of an individual and Ted Mathis, the CEO of New York life on the board of NYDIG cannot be understated. Like the, the insurance industry is one of the most conservative uh, and uh, thorough industries in the world. They do their due diligence. They only make decisions when they are certain that they're good decisions and w- within the best interest of their clients. And, and seeing the CEO of New York Life do the due diligence and be so confident uh, in Bitcoin to the point where he would join the board of directors of one of the critical infrastructure players in the space is a massive validation of the value prop of Bitcoin. And again, the last sentence, I strongly believe in the management team and its mission of offering critical financial services that enable safe and secure access to this emerging open source monetary system for all. Massive. I'm just, you know, yeah. I, I, is this priced in yet, Marty? I don't think so. I don't think so. I really don't. I, uh, you know, Rockstar doesn't think, Rockstar bet me that he doesn't think we're going to hit 200K uh, by conference day, by June 4th, or I guess June 5th. I don't know. We didn't clarify. If, 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 if my price Rica? doesn't pass 200K on June 4th, but it passes on June 5th, like I'll be happy regardless. Uh, it's got to be the live rabbit hole recap, beginning or end of the episode. Well, I'm hoping that we don't. Yeah, you yeah, have 200k by by RHR, but that doesn't that doesn't uh, sound. I like the rhyme of 200k by conference day. I like that too. Um, but like I I still like I apologize, freaks. If my, I mean, also this is probably because it's a coffee rip, uh, mainly because I'm about to go visit the New York City Bitcoiners and it's going to be fucking dope. Um, 
but I apologize. Like if I've been a little bit lowercase lately, I'm just kind of, I just, you're in shock. I just you're see numb. this massive wave and I'm just over, I'm already overwhelmed. I had something, uh, something, what's the word? It's, it's untasteful and something in bad. I just had a bad taste comment come to my mind, but I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. There you go. How mature. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, it is hard to overstate the gravity of what's going on right now. The type of people that are coming in, the type of validation that Bitcoin's getting. Um, it's getting real fast. Yeah, real fast. It's getting real fast, real fast. Like what? While we're on the, the raises, uh, since you jumped to NYDIG, uh, our friends at River Financial also announced a $12 million raise. So there was three big raises that were announced this week. Um, NYDIG, BlockFi, and River. Yeah. Yeah, River raised 350, or excuse me, River raised $12 million. Um, Series A, led by Goldcrest Capital. And that's going to be used to expand the river team and build industry leading financial services that will make Bitcoin more accessible to traditional investors. Um, and then BlockFi raised 350 mil at a $3 billion valuation um, series D. Um, so a lot of money flowing into the space now. The other thing that was interesting about that BlockFi announcement uh, was they, they mentioned how much money they have on their platform. I want to say they said $10 billion. This is just something to keep an eye on. That's a lot of, that's a lot of money. Control that thing <laughs> right now. What? Control at 15 billion. $15 billion on platform. Yes. BlockFi's platform manages more than 15 billion in assets. Oof. That has generated hundreds of millions in interest for clients. Very small drop in the overall Bitcoin market capital. And again, I, I, I think Renee and the risk management team, I think he has skills that people are underestimating. Uh, Doesn't matter to me. Stay humble and stack. I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. Again, not my risk appetite, but people do want the product. So BlockFi is providing it and people are using it beware know the risk um monthly revenues of 50 mil that was the other number i was looking for interesting yeah um all right now we get to an interesting part of the, the conversation new taproot activation map method proposed speedy trial i like it i like it i i sort of i, I said this last night um I was sort of jaded by the whole lot true versus lot false. I sort of tuned out, especially like literally <laughs> like last week, a week before the amount of like notifications I was getting from the mailing list was like, what the hell are, is everybody talking about? Like, I just had to like tune out. Uh, but uh, David Harding posted on the Bitcoin dev mailing list and, uh, and he basically rehashed the conversation that was had on the taproot activation IRC channel um, and Russell O'Connor proposed a modification to the let's see what happens activation proposal and then put forth the speedy trial which is the straight 
quick um, flag day activation that would be minor activated. And if it doesn't, you can recalibrate from there. Is that correct? I mean, it's not what? I thought it was a straight count. You're like, no, that's wrong. Well, flag day is like, it's that would be the wrong word, I think. I mean, it's, it's almost, it's basically like a faster version of lot equals false, right? It's yeah. it's just, we give it to miners to signal. If, if they hit 90% signaling, which isn't hard and fast, like yeah, if, they hit, if they hit 90% no saying they support it within three months, then we activate six months after that. Flag day kind of implies we update the software and the software just says on this block that we're updating. Yes, agreed. Yeah, no, I which like is, this. Which was also proposed as a separate thing. So this is nice because it's just like, before we get into any kind of argument, and we've talked about this in the past, like setting up precedents, right? The Maybe the best way to upgrade with soft forks going forward is you do this, you, 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 you jump in there with a three month signaling period, and then we can think about more complicated things if the miners don't signal after those three months, right? But if they do signal, then we don't have to even discuss everything else. We can just fucking do it, right? Yeah, no, I love this. Shout out to Russell O'Connor for putting this forward. And it seems like that this is garnering a lot of support, even in the developer community. Well, for the freaks, the funniest part about this is if you look at your calendars, uh, and this, if this works, it's going to be nine months to when the software gets released. Um, we're going to, our, our TFTC taproot bet it could go right down to the fucking wire. It could be like <laughs> within a two week period. Uh, which is just fun. That's just, it's funny how the world works. Is our prediction market having an effect on Tapper? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hilarious, man. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, just because. It's I the TFTC effect. It is. It is very, very influential here. Uh, this was, I saw this. I didn't dive too far into it, but I saw this happen. I was like, oh, God, it looks bad. A malicious backdoor version of Electrum Wallet. What's going on here? Yeah, so I mean, that's obviously pretty bad. Uh, if you use the backdoored version, you get your funds stolen. There's malicious versions on both Windows and Mac that have been found. Um, they were not served from the regular Electrum website. The official Electrum website, electrum.org, uh, is where you should download all your versions. Um, they publicly tweeted out that they've never been compromised, which is an impressive feat. But you should assume that they can get compromised, and you should have the Electrum signing key on your local device, and you should always verify releases uh, via that way. And if you did that, you would be able to catch these back doors. Now, the, well, you'd be able to catch the malicious version uh, because it'd be different than the signed version. Um, the, the thing here though, which is, makes it kind of extra scary is on Mac, there's an Apple signing process. Apple has their own way of verifying software, right? Um, and that's why, like, if you try, I mean, I'm sure you've seen Marty, when you try and install software um, that doesn't have the Apple signing key, it makes you like do the right click run anyway, whatever thing, because yep. it's not signed by Apple. This malicious backdoor version of Electrum passed the Apple signing check. So it just installed right away and just said it was verified and it was good to go. So it's just a perfect example of, of trusting these centralized verification sources rather than the verifying yourself is a is a bad idea. How did that get past Apple? I think they did something where like they had a legitimate app and they had the signing key for that and then they switched it over. Did their legitimate app get kicked off the, the platform? I, just, I, I, I hope, hopefully, you know, I don't know. But the, 
there, there's a perfect example download directly from the source and you know you should always verify your downloads with uh, the signature using pgp yes i'm sorry for any freaks who may have been affected by this but yeah electrum.org uh, if you're using electrum and bitcoin q a has a great guide on bitcoin uh, q a you like messed up the I got a beef with you. You messed up like your, you redid your website and you messed up all yeah. the links. Like the yeah, back all the links are, are new now. I can't find anything. Like okay, I, so so all of his guides now are at bitcoiner.guide. Um, and if you go to bitcoiner.guide slash verify software, uh, then then you'll have the, how to verify software with PGP and, and everyone should do that. So so go to that, go to that website, bitcoiner.guide slash verify software. I also gave him shit about breaking his links, but at least going forward now, um, it's a very clear format about where all his guides are. Yes. I'm sorry for giving you shit, Bitcoin q and I was just like, no, I was he, like what's he happening He deserves here? it a little bit, but like, what a hustler, man. I mean, you're talking, I'm talking shit from a podcast. I can't get its audio video issues figured out. So this is a little pot calling oh. the kettle black here. Oh, and the other reason why he broke all of his links is because now it's all self-hosted. Oh, boss. That's a good reason. Yeah. So sorry for for talking shit. Uh, he's got a good whirlpool guide on that on that website. Speaking of whirlpool, the GUI version zero point ten point three has been released. Um, so if you're running uh, whirlpool and you're using the GUI, go update that. I've been liking accessing whirlpool via Ronin Dojo via Tor. I really like that that flow. Um, that's been pretty cool. There's another way to access like a, a dojo dashboard. Or wait, I'm getting dojo and whirlpool confused now. You're talking about the dojo management console? Yes. Yeah. Through, that you can access through Tor, right? It's pretty yeah. slick. Yeah, very slick. Yeah. Um so whirlpool so whirlpool CLI is what runs on your own in dojo, and that's yes. what makes it go 24-7. Whirlpool GUI is a way to look at it on your computer and then the actual wallet software on your phone is how you actually interact with, you know, sending and receiving. Yeah. Yeah. Samurai team building some slick products out there, including their wallet. Matt just went, mentioned it. Uh, version 0.99.96 E has been released. Um, so if you're running Samurai wallet, go check that out. Uh, again, we mentioned it in the beginning of the episode, the hundred thousand sat uh, pool for whirlpool has been added. Um, and they patched the known, the current known Tor v3 onion address attack. The current known. And there's some, seems like there's still some unknowns against what's going on with version, uh, Tor version three addresses. Yeah, like when I accessed Dojo via Tor, I had to use my Tor v2 address. The Tor v3 wasn't going through yesterday, at least. It's kind of a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Good thing we have I2P in uh, Bitcoin Core now. Right. Zeus version 0.5.0 has been released. Our good friend Evan Kaloudis and team working on that. They integrated Tor on both iOS and Android, speaking of Tor. Um, and they set up first hop and last hop. And you were talking about this on Citadel. And I think it'd be interesting to rehash that, that particular conversation. Yeah, I mean, so this is a massive uh, upgrade. And, and, and the key thing here is, first of all, shout out to uh, Alex Gladstein and HRF, their dev fund. Um, cause they gave Evan and Zeus, uh, a grant 
a couple months ago, and I'm pretty sure it was a full Bitcoin grant at $10,000 of Bitcoin, but I'm not sure uh, exactly. But what Evan did, which was kind of cool, was he put up some bounties. Um, and one of the bounties he put up was for someone to, you know, integrate Tor directly into Zeus. But Zeus uses React Native, which is a, uh, a language that allows you to create apps for both Android and iPhone easily. It's it's easy way to create cross-platform apps. And we have three big mobile wallets that use it. We have we have Zeus that uses it, we have Blue Wallet that uses it, and we have Hexa Wallet that uses it. So now that now that uh, that bounty has been claimed, and we have we have Tor support in React Native for both platforms, Zeus has it, but presumably we're going to get it baked into Blue Wallet and Hexa as well. Uh, so that's really big, and 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 that means the user doesn't have to run, you know, Tor externally, which is fantastic. I think we just want it like baked into as many apps as possible. Yeah. So shout out to HRF for providing the grant to Evan for having the the smarts to put up a bounty on this particular feature. Shout out to the developer who claimed that bounty, and hopefully we get these privacy enabling technologies baked into more wallets which is what you want to see and then the other thing is the first hop last hop right which is pretty cool in terms of giving you control over your lightning payments as an advanced user especially if you want privacy um because those are the those are the two nodes uh the two routing nodes that are going to know the most information about you um and if they're if they're both controlled by the same person it could hurt your privacy um so that's kind of cool Right. So you could, yeah, you, you could, you could, you could have your, your first hop could go through a tour only routing node. Um, that's like not run by like an institution. And then your last hop could go through like a major institution node or something. And, and you have more control over that path, which I think is a really cool concept. Yeah. It's really dope. So shout out to the team over at Zeus. I know it's not just Evan by himself anymore. So they're fucking killing it. Yeah, it's been amazing to see see that grow out. Um, sticking on software updates here, I'm gonna blow through the next few, um, just to save us some time. Unless you unless you want to chime in, I don't think there's anything massive in the join market update is massive. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Explain it. So join market version zero point eight point two has been released. Why is it massive? There's there was a bug discovered since that was accidentally introduced last year. I think June twenty twenty. Uh, so it's been like 10 months in the wild um, that leaked information about inputs from takers to makers. So if you had malicious makers that were log were going through the logs, um, they had more information on they had information on makers inputs on takers inputs that weren't that that the taker didn't realize that they were takers pay a premium in the joint market model not to disclose that information. Okay, and they were incidentally, It's a pretty big deal. It seems like a really bad, it, it, does, it doesn't, it's not very good that this, you know, and it is what it is. It's an open source project. I'm glad they found it. But if you're a taker on join market, you need to update. Um, otherwise, you're going to continue leaking this information to any Persons. maker use. And in the past, we speculated the way you would attack something like join market um, is you would try and run a, a large amount of makers um, and have very low fees for those makers so people use you. Um, to do their coin joins and then combine all that data together. In this case, with this exploit in the wild, um, a maker trying to do that type of attack uh, 
would obviously have additional data at his at his disposal. Yes. Yes. Woo. If you're on Joy Market version 0.8.2, go update. This bug is patched. And there's a full there's a full breakdown in in the release notes about about the bug. So go read it if you're a Join Market user. Yeah, and if you're a, a Join Inbox user, version 0.3.0 uh, has been released. Standalone prune node. Uh, they warn you in this update too. Please update Join Market version 0.8.2. Urgent upgrade for takers. Uh, improved Signet support. Uh, I'm not going to read the show notes or the release notes, excuse me. Uh, but shout out to Open Noms and crew for releasing that 20 hours ago. So if you're running Join Inbox, uh, version 0.3.0 has been released. Uh, Cold card version 4.0.0 beta has been released. Um, they made some major internal changes. So it's... Go ahead. Matt's, Matt's uh, leaning in. Lean in, Matt. Uh, uh, don't don't rush to upgrade to that freaks. This is definitely beta. Only advanced users should be using it. Um, big, big, big change that he's using Bitcoin Core's crypto library now. It's the first hardware wallet to do that. Um, so that that handles like all the random number generation. So make sure. So so it's very experimental. So do not rush to update this, but it's really great to see. And I look forward to people testing it out. If you want to be a beta tester, it's available. We'll have the link in the show notes. This is something that GMAX has been, Greg Maxwell has been requesting of hardware wallets for a long, long time. So shout out to, to shout out to Rodolfo and crew for, for getting her done so people can experiment with it. See if it's safe. Beta, 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 version 4.0.0 beta. Sparrow version 1.3.0 has been released. Um, we got a fee priority indicator. It's going to display addresses on connected USB devices for multi-sig wallets. Uh, add change password button. That seems pretty pretty important. Uh, upgrade to HWI 2.0.0. I'm now reading release notes and I get made fun of for that. So that's as far as I'm going to go with Sparrow. Sparrow version 1.3.0. And then BTC pay server version 1.0.7.0 has been released. And this is just some spring cleaning UI polishing, uh, bug fixing, API calls, nothing too major in this from what I can tell. Um, and that was software updates of the week, at least the ones that we caught. Uh, anything else on the top of your mind? Uh, let's check no bullshit Bitcoin real quick, see if we missed anything. Nope, doesn't look like uh, it. One thing that's on my mind since you just mentioned Sparrow is that he, uh, Craig Raw, who was on Dispatch, if you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it. I fucking love Sparrow. Um, he added a donate option on his uh, website, similar to Mempool's donate option. You get a little badge. Uh, you donate with Bitcoin. So consider consider donating if uh, I think it's. I don't know what the website is, but go to his website and donate. Consider it's like SparrowWallet.org or something. What? Consider donating. Yeah. Um, we already read all these raise announcements. So the last topic we have on the list is from Krebs on security, at least 30,000 us organizations newly hacked via holes in Microsoft's email software exchange. I do not miss office exchange at all. Um, what's going on here? I didn't read this yet. Um, I mean, this is really bad. Uh, I, I, I think, 
I think it's just a, another example. Uh, I mean, if you look at his breakdown, he, he talks about governments, like local governments are compromised, um, a whole, whole handful of different, you know, corporations and stuff. So like this idea that like a bunch of boomers uh, that are running these, these companies and these governments can keep our KYC information safe or like our personal information safe. And it's not just Bitcoin related. Like I, if, when I try and, and uh, report imposter accounts, freaks, if, if me or Marty, it looks like me or Marty DM'd you asking you for money or something, like it's not us. Like you have to verify our accounts that it's a real account because there's a bunch of imposters out there that are, that are pretending to be us. And when we report them to Twitter support, they require us to upload sensitive personal information. They, they want you to basically KYC yourself in order to report your own imposters. You can report other people's imposters, and I think that works, so you should still report the imposters, but we can't report our own imposters without uploading the sensitive personal information. And this idea that these corporations, these governments can protect it is absolute bullshit. And, and this is just another example of it. And so many of these businesses operate in ways where sensitive information is going on their email servers, right? So you get into that and you just have like, you know, full access. Yeah, it's, I mean, if it, if it wasn't glaringly obvious to you already, I mean, here's just yet another example of how insecure these systems are and, and, how, and how many government agencies and local governments are running this stuff like down the stack small businesses local governments federal government agencies all running this stuff and all that information leaked to the dark web it's uh yeah i mean and then just use this so better equip yourself with these examples yet another arrow in the quiver to be like no like we need to push back against kya KYC AML, like number one, it's ineffective. Number two, look at all this data that's leaking from these centrally, these central authorities, these central third parties, if you will, centralized third parties. So be aware. Uh, there was a few updates in this announcement. So yeah, I mean, the CISA was even even hit by the CISA is aware of widespread domestic and international exploitation of Microsoft Exchange Server <laughs> vulnerabilities and urges scanning Exchange Server logs with Microsoft's IOC detection tool to help determine the compromise. They don't even know like how many people are compromised. It's like so that's bad. the thing with most of these compromises. There's no way to easily tell how much gets taken. Yeah, you know, and it's so it's the only way you the only safe assumption is that just all at all information is just all unencrypted information is just that's connected to the internet is compromised, yeah. um, which is just crazy. When you look at our traditional like if you look at our society, there's just holes everywhere. Um, and I, I, I understand that it is a little bit hyperbolic, but it's the only way people wake up is is and Krebs is, is guilty of this too is like it's in this case, they're blaming it on China as well. Um, so there's going to be, it's one thing if, I guess, I still disagree with you, but it's one thing if you think your own government should be keeping, you know, detailed logs of every message and financial transaction and photo and location of, of every single one of their citizens. 
But I mean, is there any person on this planet that thinks that foreign governments should have that capability? Uh, is 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 there's probably yeah, there probably aren't any. So I think it's a it's an important thing to to remind people of. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think we agree on this. You're only as strong as your weakest link, and if your weakest link can be exploited, it will be exploited. Don't blame the hackers for exploiting it. Blame the the ineffective architecture of of your software. Anything that can be exploited will be exploited. You should assume that. So Marty, um, next week, next week, uh, RHR should be healthily above 60K. Are we going to, we're going to have your camera issues troubleshooted and we're going to do it live. We're going to do it live live stream for the freaks next week. I think so. We're going to do it live. We have to, I have to figure this out. I have to step up. I have to become a man. Oh man, we're saying this now. It's just like, we're going to troubleshoot it. It's going to work. And then we're going to go live and it's not going to work. Well, I think what we do is we can troubleshoot it. Yeah, we'll just we'll troubleshoot it without broadcasting out and then and then we'll go for it. Yeah. Yeah. We got this. Yeah. We're above 57 right now. 57 six. Oh, I think we pumped during this. Well, you said that we were gonna be at 65k by now. So I got liquidated because I went hundred X leverage because you told me to, Marty. Sorry. Sorry for your loss. I actually said we were gonna be at like seventy-two thousand. <laughs> Uh, not there yet. Not there. Only, only like fourteen thousand four hundred dollars away. As we sit at five, five seven six hundred. Uh, yeah, that was it. that was it for the list. You want to riff on anything? What do you think about this uh, this royal family beef? Did you paint it? <laughs> this is all. That's looking at me with disgust right now. Here's I, I, these distractions. All these distractions just gives us more time to stack. It's just like all these people care about all this stupid shit. Are they just, was this like a huge distraction away from Prince Andrew being like a rampant pedo? I think so. Matt doesn't want to comment. I mean, I just, I don't, I, this is the most royal family news I've seen in America in a long time. Right. So it's just, it's just weird to me. Yeah. Seems like a step backwards. And then I also thought it was just, I don't know, like Oprah, Oprah interviewing them from her Citadel in California and making like $7 million on the interview is kind of like a post hyper Bitcoinization life goal of mine. <laughs> Oprah, don't you have enough? Everybody involved sucks. Everybody involved sucks. Her Citadel is pretty dope. Did you see it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a very good Citadel. This is why like the blue checks tell us like we're the crazy ones, you know, but meanwhile they like worship Oprah. Right. <laughs> How much energy does Oprah Citadel consume? <laughs> You're going to go predator during Oprah? I don't think so. Don't do it to us. Just stay, please, detractors, can you please be just logically consistent? Is that too hard to ask for? Is it so much to ask? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, the distractions are everywhere. Like the canceling of Dr. Seuss, the, the non-gender of Mr. Potato Head. Like, are we even allowed to say Mr. Potato? Is it just Potato Head? Is Mrs. Potato Head not have a gender anymore? Pepe Le Pew getting canceled? All these unnecessary distractions. Who gives a fuck about any of this shit? From the royal family to Pepe Le Pew. Le Pew. Like, however the fuck you say the skunk's name. It's all <laughs> fucking stupid. We have Bitcoin, and you're talking about Mr. Potato Head's fucking gender in the royal family. Who gives a fuck? You know, this is, uh, 
Well, I mean, I care about free speech. Like, I, I, I give a fuck about those items in terms of like, and then people say like Dr. Seuss, like the publisher folding under pressure and stop publishing isn't equivalent to burning books. So like maybe it's not a one-to-one example, but if those things get pulled off of Kindles, like it's it's even more effective than actually burning them after the fact. And if if you look at what happened, oh yes, I uh, care about that. I don't get why people care about burning the books in the first place. Like, oh yeah, hundred percent. And then I mean, if you look at it, they eBay won't even allow the resale market to happen, um, which is just it's super dangerous when you have these large corporations that are so entangled with the government and it's just so incestuous and it just it's such a slippery slope like our, our rights can just get fucking trampled on so quickly if if, if if we're sitting here in 2021 and you don't realize that after the year we've had then i mean i don't even know uh, uh, thank god we have bitcoin thank you thank you satoshi for launching this beautiful beautiful network Hey, if, if you're one of the energy hysterics that tuned in to, to, to see what type of terrorist we are, like Bitcoin's only going to consume and convert more energy. It's going to use more electricity. Just just get used to it. It's inevitable. So it's, it's also good... going to get more efficient over time. Yes, it has gotten more efficient over time. If you like, do your research, please. If you're going to like come at Bitcoin and criticize Bitcoin, please do your research and like come correct. Like this Karen guy, whatever the fuck his name is, he wrote an article. I I have a lot of space in his in his head apparently. He put a big chunk of this uh, this article um, to focus on me and my thoughts on on how um, Bitcoin can help make the energy industry more efficient, particularly oil and gas industry. Karen Joshi. Um, no, it's not Karen. <laughs> he sounds like a Karen. You're intentionally mispronouncing his name, right? What is it? Is it Katan? Katan. Yeah, it's another Katan. There's no R in there. Uh, um, the R and the T are right next to each other on the keyboard. So he could have made a, a typo. I think his name's Karen. I, uh, I mean, a lot of, the, I think a lot of this, right. Is that, is that we've had a move to independent media. So you have clickbait journalism moving to independent media, right. It's like these like has been blue checks that like no one pays any mind to, um, they're starting to realize like Bitcoin engagement goes both ways, right? They're starting to realize that they can, they, if they hate on Bitcoin, they're going to get fantastic engagement and clicks uh, and they get like a little bit addicted to it. Um, and a perfect example, I mean, is Peter Schiff. I'm pretty sure. Did you like, do you see what's happening with Spencer Schiff and Peter Schiff? Like they're, they're playing us. Yes. I don't get involved in the Schiff drama. Yeah. They're like, like they're, pushing sponsorship as like a like a bitcoin and he's like dming hero. people like get me to fifty thousand so i can like flip in my dad it's like ah i don't yeah. like that don't like they're like very they're very transparent about it right but this this is the power of bitcoin right we should like that it's uh it's a topic that everyone wants to talk about and it's just gonna be it's that's gonna just happen more and more as time goes on yeah bitcoin is inevitable it's winning it's gonna continue to win it's gonna convert more electricity it's a good thing it's a very good thing and again, like, oh, all right, we're back to the, the energy FUD. Like nobody ever wants to bring up the, <laughs> nobody ever wants to bring up like the second and third order effects of Bitcoin mining uh, energy consumption. And probably the strongest second order effect is the fact that Bitcoin mining secures the scarce digital asset, which is Bitcoin, the token. And if Bitcoin, the token gets widely adopted and we get a sound monetary system adopted widely in the world and people are operating on a sound monetary system 
it's going to reduce energy waste significantly just because the, the amount of misallocated capital is going to decrease significantly. You're not going to be able to allocate capital to things that would have gotten financed in a fiat world that consume energy. Like nobody thinks about that second order effect. Yeah. And like, also we have 11 aircraft carriers. <laughs> right. That take up megawatts of, <laughs> I'm pretty sure like 200 megawatts of energy each. The next country I think is China and they have two. Yeah. Be aware freaks. Be aware. Matt, do you have anything you want to end it on here? I love you get- freaks. I'm looking forward to enjoying this beautiful day with uh, the New York city Bitcoin crew about to jump in my car, head out to there. Um, join us on Citadel Dispatch next week on Tuesday. I love you all. Stay humble. Stack sets. Give everybody in the New York Bitcoin crew a hug. I want you to hug, individually hug each one of them on my behalf. Please. I will. And I'll, I'll be like, this is for me. Okay, this is for Marty. Yes. Okay, please do that. Tell them Two I said Two separate hey. hugs. Yes, this is what we need. Um, all right. Thanks for joining us this week, Freaks. If you're liking the content, please subscribe, like, review, wherever you're listening. Helps helps us get attention. Not that we're looking for attention. We're looking to get the good information in front of more freaks. Peace and love. Okay. <laughs>